from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Mr. Speaker, welcome back. Well, it's great to be with you. And as I said the other day, Chris and I both admire so much uh, your work ethic and your enthusiasm and your commitment to ideas. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, you are the ultimate idea guy, especially when you were running for president and then even when you were Speaker of the House. So first off, is it Ari Fleischer wrong? Everybody, did everybody actually know, including Joe, that he's not running again? Because I don't really believe that. I think that he still thinks he's running again. Well, why shouldn't he? I mean, he, look, first of all, given his current cognitive confusion, uh, how would you know? Uh, second, you know, you're the president. You're sitting in the White House. you got Air Force One. you got Marine One. Uh, you got limousines and cavalcades and all sorts of things. Why would you think you're going to give it up? I mean, when's the last time we had a president voluntarily decide to leave? It was Lyndon Johnson, and that's because... Uh, the Tet Offensive had occurred, and he realized he couldn't get reelected. Um, Harry Truman decided before him, but Harry Truman was the most unpopular incumbent president uh, that we'd had in a very long time. So I, I just think you have to recognize that um, what you have here is uh, a guy who spent his whole life wanting to become president, finally got there. Uh, turned out to be pretty incompetent, has all the wrong policy values, is uh, running a disaster, and uh, nonetheless has all the tools of the presidency. You know, you run a government that spends trillions of dollars, you've got a lot of assets to try to stay in power. You know, it's so interesting. In, in your book, you talk about this, how the tone and tenor in Washington is so different. You avoided the you avoided the House floor since you were no longer Speaker, ever since you left, and you were coaxed to go, to go down there. And you got the sense that everything changed so dramatically. It is so polarized. And even though you respect that Nancy Pelosi has assembled this power, I don't think you respect what she's done with it in terms of how it benefits the country. Well, look, I, I, I respect technically that she has a very narrow majority and she has wielded it like a collection of robots. But I think that she has turned the House into a dictatorship. Yep. I think it is a terrible way to legislate. Uh, it produces very bad bills that have not had public dialogue, have not had public uh, hearings, have not had really you know, analyzed and amended and improved. It's the opposite of a good legislative process. And uh, I'm going to be uh, testifying in front of the House Budget Committee tomorrow, and I'm going to make the point that you know, the federal government has been the largest abuser of children in recent years. You look at the damage that the government policies have made in terms of isolating kids, leading to depression, uh, the degree to which the government's failed to protect them from drugs. Uh, just go down the list. And yet the Democrats don't seem to learn anything. They actually want to have more government with more bureaucracy, with more union members, taking away more taxpayer money. And, by the way, they want to write a bill which is anti-religious, it doesn't allow any of the money to go to religious institutions, and uh, which cripples parents' choices. Exactly the opposite of good public policy. You know, what's so interesting is I think it's game changer. It's, with all these big decisions by the Supreme Court, no one's really focusing on what Arizona got. Arizona is beginning to exercise their ability to allow kids 
and families to be able to take the money afforded them to go to public school and take it elsewhere if they choose. This is titanic, don't you think, Mr. Speaker? Yeah, it is, and it fits something. I recently did a podcast with uh, former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, and she's come up with a great term. She talks about education freedom, more than just school choice, but you know, homeschooling, apprenticeships, online learning, that you, you should have the freedom to learn and not be trapped by a unionized bureaucracy and not be trapped by some set of rules and not be forced to go through brainwashing uh, by left-wing ideologues. And I think what you're seeing is a country that is really finally fed up and is moving to change things pretty dramatically. And I would say that uh, what we're seeing happen in Arizona, which I give Governor Ducey a lot of credit, uh, that's been a very successful program, and I think that it has actually uh, really moved the, the ball in the right direction. And by the way, you have to give Jeb Bush a lot of credit. Years and years ago when he was governor, Jeb Bush really pioneered developing uh, educational choice in a big way. And Florida today ranks third in education among all the states in the country. So, you know, that, that long investment has paid off. I just wish he'd find a way, they found a way to pay teachers more. I mean, they just aren't paying them enough to get the quality in there uh, in Florida that it reflects their population growth. So I hope they make that adjustment. I know Governor DeSantis talked about that. So one thing is pretty clear. The president of the United States, if ran as a supposed moderate from the, from the few times we saw him run publicly, but he would separate himself from Bernie Sanders. But for some reason, he did he's himself to the squad as if that's the majority of Democrats. I had a big f- uh, fight with... Um, Charlie Hurt. Charlie Hurt does not believe Democrats are gone way left. If they haven't and they don't speak up, I assume they have. And the president of the United States now will declare a climate emergency as soon as this week at the urging of Senator Whitehouse and declare through a series of executive orders different actions for the climate at a time in which all of our oil and gas prices and fossil fuel prices that fuel this country is going up. How tone deaf is that, Mr. Speaker? Well, look, I think you have to recognize that on the left, there's a real commitment to punishing the American people into doing the right thing. Uh, they believe in this. They believe in high gasoline prices. They believe in making life very difficult. Uh, they would like you to live in a small apartment near a bus or, or mass transit not have a car, uh, have a limited future, and rely on government to take care of you. I mean, that, that's their worldview. And uh, they are fully prepared to punish the American people. It's, it's, it's the most, you, know, you can't think of these people as normal, traditional politicians in the American tradition. These people are real ideologues, uh, much closer to the Bolshevik tradition in Russia, in that they are willing to do whatever it takes to force you to do what they want you to do. I think you could see, you honestly back me up on this. It's Senator Manchin does not agree with that, and he does not agree with his party. And because of that, Robert Reich, who I know you know, was in the Clinton administration, uh, he says it's time for the Democrats to kick Joe Manchin out of the party. If that party had any capacity for discipline and lawmakers to so hold them accountable, he tweets out, it would at least revoke Manchin's chairmanship of the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources and kick him out. I mean, how how ridiculous is that? You kick him out, well, you lose the majority. Oh, I know. Listen, you, you, you have to assume that these people are not very smart. Uh, and it's not that they can't play chess. They can't even play tic-tac-toe. Uh, and 
So they don't think about, I mean, you know, Manchin, if Manchin were replaced in West Virginia, he'd be replaced by a Republican. Yes. Uh, and the Republican would caucus with McConnell. The Republicans would then control whether or not any judgeship got filled, any ambassadorship, any federal employment. Uh, people don't understand how much Manchin has actually been helpful to the left just by the act of caucusing as a Democrat. And that's that's that would all change. And of course, Manchin accurately represents West Virginia, which was one of Trump's best states, deeply, deeply opposed to uh, the Biden energy policies. Uh, and, and as very patriotic Americans in West Virginia is a state that has a huge number of veterans. Um, you know, I think West Virginians look at a president of the United States who goes to Saudi Arabia instead of going to Texas or he goes wants to negotiate with Iran instead of going to Western mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Uh, they just regard this as, as something you can't understand. So I'm talking with Newt Gingrich. His book is uh, doing quite well. By the way, uh, his book is called Defeating Big Government, Socialism, Saving America's Future. So what I did is I worked out a deal for my books at Barnes & Noble in Bayshore. Uh, so I'm able to go right by my house and sign them. So if people want to uh, sign up around the country and get them personalized. And when I first walked in, they said, Brian, I got to tell you, Newt Gingrich's book is doing great here. I mean, have you found very receptive audience for your book? Yeah, I, I've actually been surprised. In fact, I found something else. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Brian, because, of course, you're, you're a very successful author. But I went on, on Amazon, and there are like 10 short guides to my book. Uh, I mean, mean, it's sort of like if you're a citizen and you'd like to know what Newt's thinking, but you don't want to read the whole book, you know, pick up this 20 page guide. Uh, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Neither did I. I never heard of that. It's kind of weird. But we've done very well. You know, I I think the reason we did, I was talking with Larry Kudlow about this yesterday. I think what's happened is we're, we're at a magic moment where Americans have looked up and said, that's it. I've had enough. Uh, and as a result, there's a real hunger for an explanation of what's going on and what we can do about it. And, of course, the reason I wrote uh, Defeating Big Government Socialism is I, I remembered that Margaret Thatcher, when she became leader of the opposition in 1975, she set out to destroy socialism. Uh, I mean, she just beat it into the ground. She, it was immoral. It was wrong. It didn't work. And she did such a great job of destroying the moral basis of socialism in Britain that in 40 years, no left-wing Labour member has become a prime minister. You had to be a moderate, almost a Thatcherite, in order to win. And I think we're at the same moment. This isn't just about Joe Biden being cognitively whacked. It's not about Kamala Harris having a weird laugh. These are people who collectively believe in policies that, that are crazy. Uh, they're not even ideological. I mean, some of the stuff they advocate is nuts. And if you say to yourself, how can an American president release a million barrels of oil from our national reserve and send it to a Chinese company with ties to Hunter Biden and have the, the Washington Post and the New York Times not notice it? Uh, I mean, these things are just crazy. You, you have a corrupt left-wing radical administration which is failing. I and mean, let's be clear about this. This is a failure. My, and my concern, and the reason I wrote Defeating Big Government Socialism is, I don't want this just to be a personality failure. 
I want people to understand right. these folks are failing because the very belief system they have does not work, cannot work, and has to, in fact, be replaced. Yeah, and you go, you date back to FDR when things, we were in the middle of a depression, uh, on the cusp of a war, and it was time for social spending to bring us out of it. We never came, uh, when he started with that, we never really reversed it. Some of the programs went away, but not the thought process, and government has just grown. You also point out that local government used to spend more than state government, and state government used to pay more than federal government, and that all changed dramatically. But I want to bring you to just the X's and O's. As much as you might think you have better ideas and you might have a better direction for the country and be more patriotic, you have to have the right tactics and strategy. Do you believe for Republicans to be successful in the midterms, it would help or hurt for President Trump to declare his candidacy before or after? What would help more? Look, look, let me be blunt. I think it hurts. I think it's a mistake for President Trump to announce before the election. Uh, Right now, the key to this election is to run a big race election in which the choice is really big and to tie people like like Warnock and Kelly directly to Biden and directly to 9% inflation and uh, gasoline at the highest price historically and all the other things that we know. Uh, and I think anything which distracts from that is wrong. And I think for President Trump to announce before the election is just plain wrong. And I hope he doesn't do it. I've told him that myself. Uh, and, I, and I really do hope he doesn't do it. I think it's a mistake. And will you tell you did tell him that? Yes. And do you think he listened? No. Well, he always listens. He just, <laughs> he does, he just doesn't obey. Right. That's pretty clear. Uh, I know. But, I know. He respects. Again, I mean. I mean. Look, I, I'm a very straight guy. I, I say on your radio show, or I say on Fox with you, on, on Fox and Friends, I say exactly what I say in private because I think it's the most effective way to communicate. And I think we have a chance here. In fact, I'm just finishing a newsletter at Gingrich 360. We do three free newsletters a week. And the next newsletter is right. going to be on the concept of big races. Um, if, if, we, if we raise these races to the big level, this is a big choice election. Gotcha. We're going to win almost everywhere, and we're going to have a crushing defeat of the Democratic Party in the Senate as well as the House. If we run a small race election where it's down to personalities and baloney, then we could we could uh, fail to win gotcha. some seats without a win. New congratulations on the book. While, uh, join him on his live signing today at 5 o'clock, livesigning.com slash defeating. Newt Gingrich, uh, pick up his book, Defeating Big Government Socialism. Thanks, Newt. Great. Thanks. You got it. Uh, back with you calls in a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, as I said at the top, President Biden's radical climate agenda equals big government socialism. That's how they're trying to do it. Here to talk about it is Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor and author of, you guessed it, Defeating Big Government Socialism. And Newt, I always give you credit for the phrase because it's such a fabulous phrase. And I just, um, we have lots to talk about, but really, as we talked on the radio a bit this weekend, this whole radical climate activism, etc., which the Wall Street Journal teed off on today in a terrific editorial, but the heart of this is socialism. 
This is central planning, regulatory planning. There's no free choice. There's no free markets. There's, you know, nothing going on here except government planning. And that is big government socialism, is it not? Sure. I mean, what you have is the academic class has found a device to give them power over everybody else. And so the environment, in a very real sense, is an excuse. That's not their goal. Their goal is controlling your life. That's just their excuse to create the hysteria to make you think that there's no choice. Uh, the fact that, frankly, their arguments both about the environment and about how to fix things are both wrong, I think is a key part of why I wrote Defeating Big Government Socialism. But I, this, this is a long-term, very deep effort by the elites to take control of the society, force the rest of us to do what they want on their terms and re basically reduce us from being citizens, which is what the Declaration of Independence gave us, uh, to just being subjects with them being uh, in charge. Yeah, whatever happened right to our creator being number one, bestowing uh, powers to us, the citizens, as you say, with the unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and then the government works for us. Uh, somehow the Bidens got that out of order, it seems to me. Yeah, and it's not just the, this has been growing at least since Lyndon Johnson's Great Society. It's gotten worse and worse. It's like a cancer that metastasizes. Uh, today you have people at every level of the federal government, and frankly, in some of the blue states, New York, Illinois, California, uh, you have power-hungry politicians and power-hungry bureaucrats allied together uh, to try to control all the rest of us. I, in the end, it won't work because we're Americans, and I think we reject that kind of, of approach. And, and <coughs> I see it also, it is a war or a jihad against free market capitalism. I think that's very much a part of this. Absolutely. Remember, free market capitalism means you have freedom, means you have private property, Private property is a bulwark of freedom. That's not what they want. They want you to be subordinated to them to do what they tell you to do. Look, look at the whole fight over masks. Look at the damage we've done to children in this country because we've tolerated government doing things that were just plain wrong, but that were driven by these elites who thought they would control the rest of us. And it's compounded because the New York Times is essentially Pravda, and the Washington Post is essentially as Vestia, and you have to see most of the media as the offensive wing of the left, uh, not as a news media. So uh, on that point, so this is also big government socialism. Government runs the schools, and government sets the curriculum, which is this crazy uh, critical race theory uh, and various other sex and gender sure. identity type issues. Not the parents, right? Just the government. Take this is another government takeover. It's anti-school choice for sure. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to testify on Wednesday at the budget committee in the House where the Democrats, having already, I think, done amazing destruction to America's children, done an amazing amount to increase mental illness in America, uh, totally failed to deal with the drug threat to all of us. Uh, now they want to extend this and have the government take over basically all of the preschool learning in America, which is the opposite of what we should be doing. Uh, we should be encouraging families, communities, neighborhoods 
to churches, synagogues, to organize themselves, to have a diversity of options, to have basically parental freedom, not to have control by some unionized bureaucrat. And uh, we're going to have uh, Joni Ernst going to be on in a moment to talk about the catastrophe uh, at the border, which was another failure. But you know, no, it, it, so here you've got this socialist dream, okay? And it would be one thing if it were working, but it's not working. It's utterly failing. That's the amazing thing. Now, the country is rebelling against it, according to the polls, but the Bidens don't seem to know that it's failing and that the administration is imploding. That's the part I find, I don't know, strange, bizarre, whatever. Well, look, from their standpoint, they, they can't afford to deal with reality because reality cuts across every single thing that they believe in. That, that's why I wrote Defeating Big Government Socialism, because it hit me one day. You know, Ronald Reagan once said, it wasn't that what liberals did not know that scared him. It's what they knew that wasn't true. Uh, and I think what you're dealing with are people who are so fixated. It's, it's a semi-religious belief system. They're so fixated on what they already know that they can't afford to be pragmatic in the classic American sense. They can't afford to look at the facts. They can't afford to ask questions about what works and what doesn't work because their alliances require them to find ways to take more of your money to pay off their allies, even if it increases inflation and even if it means a terrible delivery of bad goods and services. And the other point you're making, it's not enough to win the House and or the Senate. We have to win the battle of ideas. We have to win the argument, as Margaret Thatcher used to say, which I think is so totally important. Look, I think the fact is, at 9% uh, inflation, double the price of gasoline since Donald Trump left, rising costs of food, murderers being released on the streets, we're probably going to win the House and Senate. The question is, what lesson will the country have learned? If all the country learns is that these guys are incompetent, we haven't won much. But if the country comes to realize with the right campaign over the next four months that it's their ideas that are wrong, it's their policies that are wrong. This is what Margaret Thatcher did to socialism in Great Britain. She destroyed it as an alternative and no left-wing labor leader has been prime minister in 40 years. We have a chance right now to drive home that it's not just personality, it is the fundamental beliefs and the fundamental policies which are really crippling America and causing pain to virtually every American. Last 20 seconds, Newt. Can big government socialism be defeated by my beloved free market capitalism? That's what I want to know. What's your forecast? Ab abso <laughs> well, absolutely. First of all, uh, big, big government uh, socialism loses 59 to 16. To free market capitalism. Second, I'm a Lincoln Republican. <laughs> I believe in government of the people, yes. by the people, and for the people, and the people are going to throw these, uh, these particular rascals out. <laughs> Newt Gingrich, terrific stuff. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. Best to Ambassador. I'm Laura Ingram. This is Ingram Angle from Washington tonight.
The climate controls. That's the focus of tonight's angle. Now, all the enlightened people, you know who they are, they now insist that summer is no longer supposed to be hot. So any heat wave anywhere by its very existence is evidence of climate change. So they're all reading from the same playbook. With the end game more obvious by the day, the climate propaganda, it's saturating the airwaves. Yes, it's summer. Yes, it's supposed to be hot, but it has never been like this. Dallas and Oklahoma City reached 109 degrees today. Again, this is a global problem. Just look at the heat map. Mexico, Central America, this heat devastation is evidence, as if you need more of it, that climate change is here and is a crisis. What scientists and activists have been war warning about for decades. We knew these temperatures were coming. We might not have known 2022, but we knew they were coming. Was that guy a PhD? I think he writes for the New York Times. I don't know. But remember, they never have to establish actual facts. It's all kind of, I don't know, just a feeling. We are feeling it. We're literally feeling it. We are enduring the effects of climate change. Feeling it. Of course, the truth about global warming is never as simple as they claim. So showing this really scary-looking temperature map with a bunch of red on it ignores another expert analysis. The worst heat waves on our planet aren't happening now. They actually occurred 40 years ago, according to a review by researchers from the University of Bristol in the United Kingdom. We showed there have been some even greater extremes in the last few decades, said Vicki Thompson, a climate scientist at the University of Bristol and lead author of this new paper. And notice, by the way, that the climate controls wailing about how this is the worst heat wave ever don't acknowledge what happened in Europe almost two, dec two decades ago. 35,000 people died because of what? Extreme heat. Yet the left and its media allies, they want strict government controls on how business operates and eventually on how we as free citizens live. So it's just more fodder for liberals to call for the Senate to be abolished, as this writer for The New York Times argued today, because they blather on about extreme heat. Oh, how about their extreme solutions, like blowing up the Constitution so they can sidestep the red states altogether or force Americans out of their cars, the cars that they love, into cars they don't want and can't afford? Which brings us to the beaver cleaver of the Biden cabinet, Mayor Pete. Today, he made an admission about high gas prices. Of course, the more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Never has the worth of a Rhodes Scholarship been so called into question. He apparently hadn't ever pondered the obvious question. So if everyone switches to EVs, what happens to the grid? Congressman Tom Massey schooled Little Pete. I'm really alarmed at sort of the naivete of those who are uh, promoting rapid adoption of these technologies with our existing infrastructure. Over the course of a year, uh, an American household would use 25 times as much electricity for their electric car as they would for their refrigerator. Do you think it would strain the grid if everybody plugged in 25 refrigerators in every household? Well, if we didn't make any upgrades to the grid, sure. I mean, if we had yesterday's grid with tomorrow's cars, it's not going to work. Literally, Biden has the dumbest cabinet in U.S. history. Zero common sense. If that average household plugged in electric cars, 
Do you know how much more electricity they would use in comparison to the air conditioning that air conditions their whole house? No, but again, I would emphasize it. It would take four times as much electricity to charge the average household's cars as the average household uses on air conditioning. Now, air conditioning, that's another thing on the climate controls chopping block. These passive men think that you should be happy with passive cooling. An assistant professor at the University of Oregon says that passive cooling is so promising because it's less expensive, it averts intensification of urban heat island effects, it increases survivability by diminishing reliance on air conditioning. And forget a return to American energy glut, the independence we enjoyed. CNN's answer to living through a heat wave includes these helpful hints. Close your blinds and sleep in the basement. Got it? Is that what it's come to? As we told you last night, lowering your standard of living and your expectations for the future, they are the goals here. This isn't happening by accident. They're inflicting this necessary pain on you. They believe it's necessary. It's a sacrifice you should make. And the list of what the climate trolls demand to take from you to save the planet, that keeps growing. Of course, we also know that, of course, the gas-powered cars, they want that out. They want non-smart thermostats gone. They want to diminish farmland. Beef and other livestock, eh, they want that out. Fertilizer, want to control that. Generators, they don't like your generators. Discretionary travel, no, not so much. Leaf blowers, they've always hated those. Gas ranges and gas heat. All right, you think I'm joking, right, about gas ranges? Well, in dozens of counties on the east, uh, on the west coast, where the climate controls are most influential, they have already banned natural gas in residential homes. And now the nation's capital is set to become the second East Coast city to ban gas boilers and water heaters. Now, this is absolute madness. It's going to drive up the cost of home heating for those who can least afford it. But of course, the trolls, they don't care. They never did. They use the voters, then abuse the voters. They're horrible people. They know their climate con is about to unravel and that Americans are just tired of being told to sacrifice as they see China and India doing whatever they damn well please on the climate stuff. Fossil fuels, forget about it. They'll burn them. They don't care. So using fear and intimidation, the trolls want to speed up the transition timeline before the voters have their say in November. So you notice everything suddenly become urgent. Everything's an emergency. Uh, the challenge that we're facing globally on climate is, is real, and we need to take whatever measures we can to accelerate uh, all the work that we're doing to make sure uh, that we can address the, the climate emergency. That okay, Dracula, go back in the coffin. What they want is for you to travel less, eat less, buy less, use less heat, use less AC, or not at all. Now, since Congress won't pass new climate rules, they had to deal with Joe Manchin, right? They want Biden to declare a climate emergency. That's a move that would give the federal government extraordinary power to take your freedom away, just as they did during COVID. Well, in May 2021, the angle predicted this. Do you think the forces propping up Biden aren't thinking about declaring a climate emergency in some form during his first term? You haven't been paying close attention. Of course, the lockdowns gave them the perfect roadmap for how to exert control over the population. 14 months ago to the day.
Same white dress. No, different white dress. All right. And now Biden's traveling to Massachusetts tomorrow to push the Greeniac agenda. He's throwing a bone to the climate trolls, but he's not going as far as to declare that federal climate emergency, at least not yet. So this issue, it's on the ballot in most every state and federal election across America. A vote for a Democrat is a vote to rob you of your freedom and your prosperity, even your preferred method of heating your home or cooking your food. Because if the climate trolls have their way, we are not going to recognize our country anymore. So don't worry about a heat wave. Worry about their control wave that's going to wipe out what we love most about America. And that's the angle. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. I never learned why media's Joining me now is Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House and Fox News contributor. Now, Newt, we tried to warn everyone during COVID that this was kind of a warm-up act to what they ultimately wanted to do. We've heard rumblings about this from Bill Gates, who said the climate's much worse than COVID, so why not have a global pause or shutdown every now and then? How do you see this playing out? Well, first of all, I want to say that may be one of the most brilliant monologues I've heard you give in a long time of listening to you. That was just you. absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, I thought it was stunningly accurate. Look, people like Bill Gates have two key characteristics. They're religious fanatics on behalf of a series of values that are weird. And they're hypocrites. Uh, they don't mind flying around the world in private planes. They don't mind having huge houses with enormous amounts of air conditioning. They don't mind the size of their carbon footprint. It's a classic example. What you have is a power elite which thinks that climate is the emotional excuse to control the rest of us. Uh, and this goes all the way back to a Robert Heilbronner article in 1992 when he said, now that the Soviet Union is gone, we need a new excuse to take control. And climate and the environment is probably the best excuse we're going to get. Um, these people are fundamentally dishonest. What they're trying to do is, by any reasonable standard, crazy. If you look at what's happening in Germany, where they're going back to coal plants, uh, where they're about to go back to nuclear power, if you look what's happening all around the world, uh, the cost of elite rich people trying to impose theoretical ideas on the real world, the collapse of the government of Sri Lanka is a direct result of this. More pain is coming. And I think well, uh, someday historians will look back and say, these were truly bad people. No, hor horrible human beings. And Newt, the UN chief, Antonio Guterres, spoke out yesterday about this so-called emergency. This has to be the decade of decisive climate action. That means trust, multilateralism, and collaboration. We have a choice, collective action or collective suicide. It is in our hands. Collective suicide, Newt. Is that what we're facing here? Do you notice they're all reading from the same hymnal here? Everyone's this saying is, the same thing. How can that be? Look, Laura, this is so fundamentally dishonest that it's crazy. If you go back all the way to 
Paul Ehrlich and the population bomb in the 1970s, the left has consistently argued that we're on the edge of a gigantic crisis. Ehrlich said by 2000, Great Britain would be starving to death. Totally false. Go back and take everything that uh, Al, Gra that, uh, the Al Gore put in his movie, go through it step by step. It's all a bunch of lies. It didn't happen. It's not true. The idea of, you know, the human race is not on the edge of collective suicide unless it's by nuclear war. But we're certainly not on the edge of collective suicide because of climate. Uh, and I think the elites are so frenzied. They all go to the same cocktail parties. They all talk to each other. They all come to an agreement that they're going to say this nonsense and going to reinforce each other. But the truth is, it's false. Just as, by the way, the same elites were lying to us about COVID, uh. as we now grudgingly, slowly are learning. So Newt, I think the average person ought to realize your elites are lying to you. Now, Newt, there was a moment at the White House briefing today where the press secretary was asked about the president's relative absence over the last three day days from the public scene. Watch. What exactly has he been doing yesterday and today? So he's been in meetings. He's been meeting with his senior staff. He's been meeting with uh, a staff. He's just been very busy uh, dealing with uh, the issues of the American people and meeting with his uh, staff and senior staff the last two days. Newt, lots of meetings. Even the left is turning on him. Look, I, I don't know whether I prefer Joe Biden publicly incomprehensible and suffering clearly cognitive decline or Joe Biden hiding while his staff protects him as he suffers cognitive decline. But certainly, if you watched him on the trip to the Middle East, it was a total embarrassment for the United States and for those of us who believe in freedom. And I just think you have to start with the idea that this uh, guy is being manipulated by his staff. Whatever they're about to do in the environment will be an act of desperation. But given that they've given uh, John Kerry a major role, you just have to assume it'll be crazy because Kerry's crazy. Uh, yeah. These are people who believe in a fantasy world that does not exist, could not possibly be defended in a serious public debate. Newt, great to see you as always tonight. Thank you so much. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else.